And we're going to just track right along. We provide this for you so that you will have these notes, the, the scriptures. Now, if you'll notice, there's a lot more in there that has to do that, that with what the Bible says than with what I said. Okay? There's a few ideas with some fill in the blanks of what I said. The rest of it, the bulk of it, is what the Word of God says. Why? Because that is what the truth is. That is what we want to get on the inside of us. That's what changes our lives. And we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11, which my, my kids are uh, doing, uh, just finishing up basketball, moving into baseball. It's just constantly one long sports season after another. And, uh, of course, the, the baseball, I think they were the first sport to do the Hall of Fame thing and have the, the deal. Well, this is, this is Faith's Hall of Fame. This is the Cooperstown of, of, um, of the Bible. And we're rolling through this, and we've got this written to New Testament believers, and it's referencing all of these folks from the Old Testament, showing how they live by faith, and it impacted their lives and their actions. And so we're learning how we can live today by looking at what the, the patriarchs and those of the Old Testament did in response to what God had said. And we've tracked along. Uh, we, we've looked at, at Abraham. We've looked at, we've looked at uh, Noah. And we looked at Moses' parents last week. And this week, we're going to look at Moses and what Hebrews 11 has to say about Moses. But let's go ahead and take this idea that we've been mulling on week after week. It says, faith is simply taking God at his word and living our lives trusting that God is trustworthy. That is why knowing God better and trusting him more is so vital. But why? Because living a life of faith is just trusting God. It's just saying, God, you're right, and I can hang my whole life on it. That's, that's, that's all it is. It's nothing overly mystical. It's not this, oh, uh, this, this faith is some kind of weird little green mist I need to go get into or, or, or something that kind of pops in and out of my heart or something. No, it's just trust. It's just trusting God. It's that he's right and that I can, I can place my faith in that. I can place my life in that. So this knowing and trusting it impacts our thinking patterns. When we begin to know him and trust him, it, it hits our thinking patterns. And, and, and those thinking patterns <clears throat> have actions that come out of those thoughts that are produced. So that we can begin to know and trust God more begins to shift the way we think, and that begins to shift the way we act. That begins to, and notice that our actions are the caboose, all right? If we can easily try to get this out of order and we can try to put our actions up front, that's what religion does. Religion tries to say you act right and then eventually you are right. Okay? I love it that God says you get to know me, you're going to begin to be right, then you're going to begin to think right, and then you're going to begin to act right. Okay? And that's why we, I have to lovingly put up with each other while we're in this process because not all of us act right all the time. We don't. And so that's why we have to love each other, especially Joey. <laughs> we'll be giving a big-eyed look. I know you, bunny. And, uh, and so in that, it begins to just shift. And what we really think really produces our actions. Now, I have my, my sister here, that's, uh, um, which, you know, she's here. And it's really amazing that she's able to come and, and bring her family to be, to be part of Celebration Church because she grew up with me. And um, I was a big brother, and I was just the regular old kind of 
big brother. And, uh, you know, Ginger's about five foot three or so. Five, five? Oh, wow. Did you get a growth spurt? And uh, anyways, I'm six, two, older, bigger. And uh, so I, I picked on her all the time. That was my hobby was to irritate her. I, I got really good at it. I, I probably could still fire it up and I could probably still push her buttons and get her upset right now. But thankfully, I have matured. But one of my, a little, and, uh, but one of my favorite things to do is we would, we would wrestle all the time, and we would, just, we would just go at it. Man, my little sister, she's scrappy. She could hold her own. And, uh, but me being bigger, and uh, I would sit there, and I'd finally pin her down, and I would have her down, and she was stuck. I'm telling you, she was stuck. She could not move stuck. I'd have her, her wrist pinned down, and I was over, and she, there was, she'd just squiggle and squirm, and she was not about to cry uncle. She was not about to say, I give up. She wasn't going to call for mama, because if she got loose, she couldn't do what she wanted to do to me in front of mama. And so she was just, just going to fight it out. And so I, find, I figured out this, this little trick that I wanted to do with her. So I'd have her pinned down. And so I would do the, the dangling spit trick. So I would sit there and, and, and dangle the big water spit. And it'd start to fall down. And then I, I would slurp it back up. And so and I, would, I would just mess with her. All the time with that. Well, I tell you what, she was she was toast. She was stuck. There was, she could not get out. But as soon as she saw that water spit, I don't know if her adrenal glands went and just dumped all this adrenaline in her. But I'm telling you, that little girl would go and just throw me off. She was not going to let me spit on her at all. And, uh, I mean, she would just, all of a sudden, this energy and strength would come out of her. All of a sudden, her, her thinking that she might get some of my nasty spit on her face produced this incredible action in her life. All of a sudden, when, her, when she got motivated enough, things began to shift. And I'm telling you, I could not keep her pinned down. So I would do that just to watch her go all Hulk on it. I, I'm about to get a ride here. She's going to throw me. And she would every time. She was stuck, and then she would, she would get out. And... Uh, but that was, that's the way we are. Whenever we can be in one, sit there in one thought process, and we can be trapped. When then we begin to realize that this situation is severe enough, our thinking begins to line up, and it produces a whole different action. I think a lot of times as us as believers, as we walk through life without really walking in faith, because honestly, the stakes aren't high enough. The stakes just aren't high enough. We can kind of we can kind of deal with what the world deals kicks out to us, you know. Living below, it's you know everybody else is living below. It's we can kind of roll with it. It's not that bad. Yeah, I'm trapped. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck in this. But just about everybody else I know is trapped. And but then all of a sudden, when the stakes get raised, all of a sudden our thinking begins to shift. And I tell you what, our actions begin to take a whole nother thing. We see it all the time. We see it all the time when a doctor gives a new report. Some guy's been needing to lose 50 pounds for years and years and years. The doctor says, you have to do it or your life's going to be over. All of a sudden, his thinking shifts, and it's just not that hard to lose the 50 pounds anymore. All of a sudden, why? Because there's this motivation. All of a sudden, something begins to come in line. We have to understand that. That's why we talked about last week that our lives matter. I think so many of us don't grab our word and grab our Bible and just devour it and want to know how this impacts my life because subsequently we think 
lives really don't matter that much. Yeah, I could do this, but what's, what's that going to mean? What, what, what does my life matter? And we'll begin to understand how big God is on the inside of us. And that your life really does matter. And it really does make an impact. Oh, all of a sudden now, now, when that really gets inside of us, it makes our, th- our thinking should begin to shift. That what's on the line really is that important. Let's look at Moses. Here in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known that way. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Right there in that little passage, we see some incredible things of what Moses' faith did and what, how it ought to, that kind of action can Im- <coughs> change and impact our lives. The first one we see is that by faith, Moses refused. He refused. When we're going to begin to take God's reality as our reality. Because remember that there are two realities. We talk about this all the time. I've said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. There are, there are other options out there. What God has said is available to us isn't the only thing that's available. That's why we have to trust Him. I and mean, we have to choose His way. Why? Because there is another way, but it leads to death and destruction and disappointment and all, all the other D words. It's just bad stuff. And we want to choose a life. We want to choose a life. And in doing that, in choosing that life, we have to, we have to do like Moses who refused. See, Hebrews eleven twenty four says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known. When he had matured, when he had fully grown up, he saw that there were some things he needed to refuse. And there are some times that we need to refuse things that are obviously bad. And then there are times that we need to refuse things that maybe, maybe could be good. That maybe for somebody else, it's perfectly fine. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We can't just say, well, this is the list of... Of, of do it, and this is the list of refuse it. And we're all going to go, no, there are some things we all have to refuse. Yes, there are some of those things that it's just, it's just not good for anybody. It's just, you know, it's, let's just all say no to eating rat poison, okay? Let's just all do that, okay? That's just, it's just bad for all of us, okay? There are some things that are just across the board that way. But there are some other things that maybe my life says, I need to not do this, but for your life, you should do it. Whether it's spend time playing an instrument. I'm not gifted that way. It's just, you know, I could probably be permissible for me to just spend some time plunking a guitar. Other guys, they must spend time plunking a guitar. Okay? It is there, those kind of things that are there. My, <clears throat> my process in yielding to Christ, I wish I could say there was just this one beautiful moment in my life. Whenever I fully said yes to God, but it wasn't. It was a process. And I guess maybe that's why 
I so believe in process because that's the way God did with me. And I had, a, had an incredible encounter my senior year at, at camp. And it was, just, it was just absolutely amazing. It just totally shifted my, shifted my heart. And God just drove, a, drove a, a, a plaque down, a stake, a marker in my life that point at, my, at the summer camp of my senior, right before my senior year. And it really did change my life. You looked on the outside... You wouldn't have known anything had happened. You look a few months later, you wouldn't have known anything, anything had happened. But I'm telling you, there was something that just shifted forever in my life. Well, a few months after that, <clears throat> I'm, I'm here and, I, and God begins to tell me I, I made a decision for good for God there. Then I'm here at a place and it was um, New Year's Eve 1991. And all my buds were doing the regular goofball high school thing of doing the party, drinking, all that kind of mess. And uh, my, my buds were, for the most part, good guys. We, we got good grades. We, um, you know, we didn't do some really, really stupid stuff, but we, we did plenty of idiotic things. And uh, so I'm, I'm there, and I've got this thing happening within my, within my, within my heart. And we, had just, we were just partying. We were at somebody's party, somebody's house. I did not know them. I um, had no idea how we ended up there. And I'm in somebody's living room, I don't know, with a little Dixie cup of beer from the, from the garage. And I'm sitting there, and just all of a sudden, it was just like God just revealed to me. And just the, just the, the allure of it was just gone. And I just saw how stupid this was for my life. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just holding it. And I lean over to my bud. I told him, I'm done with this. And he said, okay. <laughs> and he was totally fine with it. And I did. I quit with the, I quit with the whole alcohol thing I, I did. And I still went with my buds to parties. I still went with all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have another drink after that at all. And I just kept moving, moving, moving forward with God. There were just these things that in that moment God said, Brandon Clark, you have to refuse this. You have to stop that. You have to do that. There are places in these things where God will drive these things. You have to do this. For your life, you must refuse. And man, I tell you what, there are times that just takes all the faith you have to be able to say no to that. And those are obviously, you know, at 18 years old, I had no, there's no, there was nothing right about me drinking a beer at 18 years old. It's against the law. It was just, there was, I was lying to my parents there was nothing good there was obviously bad for me but sometimes we just like to choose stupid stuff and one of the processes is learning to refuse those things that are obviously bad for us but then there are these things that'll that whenever we learn and god actually takes us to this higher level where we can learn to hear the voice of the holy spirit to choose to refuse things that are even seemingly good one of the most incredible mind-blowing things Whenever we were uh, traveling, as we visited a lot of churches, we visited 30-something churches and got to see churches of all these different flavors. And I've talked to you all about that before. But we went to a church that at the, at the time, it had not been designated it yet. But within nine months, it was on the cover of a magazine, the fastest-growing church in America. It's in, um, pastored by Chris Hodges in Birmingham, Alabama. It's called uh, Church of the Highlands. And we were there, and they had only been in this building for six months. Now, this church at this point was seven years old. 
Well, and it was running just under 10,000 people. The man, they were making disciples. They were just getting it done. It was just exciting, vibrant, people just loving God. What was amazing to me, this is what was amazing as, as a leader. It may be a no-brainer to you. But that they had met in a school and rented a school and had church portable like we do. But they were in a, in a school, in a school gymnasium. Had like four services a Sunday in the school gymnasium. Had had um, children's ministries spread out all over, you know, um, classrooms and all this stuff. They had to do tear up and sit down every week just like we do. And that they had grown and when they had launched, they launched and it just went big. They started out with 400 and it just grew from there. So they had to pass the 1,000 mark and say, you know, no, we, we need to stay in this school. And they passed the 2,000 mark and so... No, we need to stay in the school. The whole time, they're just quietly banking the money. God's blessing the people are given. And they're just banking it. They have to cross the 4,000 people in attendance mark. They're, they're just, everybody would be saying, why don't you have your own building? Why are you not building? Why are you not doing this? They had money in the bank. They had, when, finally, when God says it's time. Finally, when they do it, they're running around 7000 They have $16 million in the bank and are just about able to pay cash for, for what it was that they were doing. But they had to walk through this place and say no at all of these different things. And they had to refuse when it seemed like, oh, let's be done with this set up and tear down thing. Oh, let's be done with this over here. Oh, let's be done. We've got the money. We've got this. Come on, let's, let's, let's just do this. And every time it would have been... Too little, too soon. Anytime they would have made them, it would have squashed what God was doing in that moment. Now, that's not a pattern. Don't go, oh, Pastor Brandon, are you trying to, is that what you're going to do? No. What I'm saying is, is we want to listen to the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to say yes to what he wants to say yes to and say no to what he wants to say no to. You know, in other churches, it was time for them to, to go into a 24-7 building. So they could do midweek services whenever they wanted to and be able to do all the programs when they want to when they're running maybe 300 or whatever, maybe much smaller. There's no, this place, there's no caliber. There's no thing. You have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the things we've got to refuse are obvious and sometimes they're just not so obvious. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Makes sense. Those who have trusted in God can give themselves to doing the good stuff. These things are excellent and they're profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. About the, the do's and the don'ts. Avoid those little silly quarrels. Why? Because these are unprofitable and useless. See, we as believers, we even in, in just in our interaction with each other, we have to be careful to make sure we refuse to get involved in stuff that's just unprofitable and useless. It's just so easy for us to get wound up in, in arguing about this little piece of doctrine or that little piece of doctrine when there's so many big things we agree on let's just lock arms and press on we have to be those kinds of people see galatians chapter 6 
says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Okay, and this was this, this, was this outward action to say, I am, a, I am now a good believer in great God. It says, not only do they do this, <clears throat> they, ah, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so they can boast and say, oh, look what we got these people to do. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, because neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. If we're going to live by faith, we have to keep our focus on what matters. And that means we've got to refuse anything extraneous. As you're growing in your walk with Christ, I'm telling you, one of the trip-up things that the enemy does is to try to get us twisted off in these little arguments and these little things that don't matter. Let's stick with love. Let's stick with faith. Let's stick with hope. Let's stick with, with loving God more and loving each other more. Let's stick with, with growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let's try to be more patient and loving and, and, and joyful, have more peace in our lives. Let's, let's, let's major on the majors and not get distracted in the minors. We have to make sure that when in this life we refuse the right stuff. We also see that by faith Moses chose. There are things you have to refuse and go, no, I'm going to avoid that. Then there are things you have to choose. You have to embrace. You have to say, that is mine and I make it my own. See, Hebrews 11:25 says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Wow. Man, this is just one of the most impressive things about Moses is him getting broken out of his little mold. It's incredible that God used him to, to speak to the Pharaoh. It's incredible the, the parting of the Red Sea. But you know what I, I'm, I'm so impressed with in Moses' life is this moment right here. Because this is where most of us stall out, is, in, is getting broken out of our normal little routine and choosing to go in the direction that God really wants for our lives see you have to understand where moses was we talked about it some last week that moses was being raised as a prince in pharaoh's house pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own man i tell you what he had the best of everything all of his kindred people they were slaves they had the worst of everything you talk about a disparity it was huge. It wasn't just taken to side with his people. It wasn't just a little step down in class. It is going, I'm telling you, from the absolute pinnacle down to the gutter. And yet Moses, there was something in him that said, you know what? I cannot, I cannot lie to myself and live this life according to the culture that's, that be and what I've just been groomed and raised and what's been my norm. I have to choose to connect with the people of God, with my people. And it was absolutely amazing that he chose that and he made that decision. See, that choosing is so vital. I've already talked to you about Deuteronomy 30:19. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. 
Proverbs 8 says, Choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can't compare with her ultimately our refusing and choosing is going to come down to what we desire what we really really want and we have to make sure that what we're desiring is to is is to pursue god and to and to be all that he has created is to be to not waste an ounce of the image of god that he has fashioned into us that we talked about last week and we're not going to waste a, a, a bit of that. And we have to choose, choose that on purpose. Proverbs sixteen sixteen says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? To choose understanding rather than silver. The thing that has real value over the thing that maybe, maybe has value. But not, not like what pursuing understanding of God. Because see, it's going to come down to this. And Moses lived it out right here. Because see, by faith, Moses regarded or esteemed. And that's going to be it. What we esteem. You know, they have in, in the business world, they say your, your mentor is a picture of your future. Why? Because your mentor is somebody you esteem. And somebody you look up to, your role models. You know, that's, you know, that's why, you know, we have all this disparity and all this stuff going on in our society where we have these, these, you know, people who act like thugs in these role model roles, whether it's sports or acting or, or uh, politicians all over the place. It's just people who just totally lack character being elevated to these places where, where all these kids are being drawn to them. That's why they need role models right here under their nose. People, adults who, who are living it out in front of them. Why? Because what they begin to esteem they're going to begin to mold themselves into. And we have to make sure that we are esteeming or regarding the right thing. Hebrews 11 says, <clears throat> 26, is he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to, he, to his reward. You'll notice that as we go through the Hall of Faith, all of them were forward-looking people. All of them. All of them weren't baking, making their decision based on the here and now. All of them were looking forward to what God had in store for them, whether it was the promise with Abraham, whether it was Moses' mama seeing the potential in that infant, whether it was Moses here regarding the, 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 the blessings and the, and the reward of heaven. They're, we're all forward-looking people. We have to choose what we really are going to esteem and what we're really going to regard because it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact. And uh, man, I tell you, I had one, one moment that uh, really frustrated my wife. Not just one moment. It was a, dis- a distinctive moment, though, that when we, were, when we were dating, not quite married yet. Now, most of y'all know, they have heard that my, my first car was a classic 67 Mustang and I've told that story before, and uh, anyways, I just like the classic Mustangs. And my wife told you all the story of how my wife just really won my heart by learning to recognize the classic Mustangs, and and she's been able to point at and say, "That's a '65, that's a '66, that's a that's a '68." And I just thought, "Yes!" And um, anyway, so we were actually on on our way 
to go and look at a Mustang to buy. We were going to look at a, um, at a 66. And uh, my, my dad was driving in the Suburban, and um, I, I had Mustang on the brain, and Cutie and I were in the third seat, and I was, you know, just looking in her eyes and talking to her, and being all wooey-gooey, mushy, and, and I, I, was, I was in the process of telling her, I love you. But uh, in the other lane, as I'm saying, I love you, um, a, uh, a 68 Shelby passes us. That was the first 68 Shelby I'd ever seen in real life, ever. I mean, it was just, it was actually, it was needed to be restored, but it was, it, I'm not going to describe it. Anyways. <laughs> and uh, it was a sweet car. And so, and I see this out of my periphery. And I'm looking into I'm looking into her face, and I say, "Oh my goodness, that's a '68 Dad! Turn around, turn around, turn around!" And then by the time I get my attention back to the love of my life, she is mad. Ooh, this car had stolen the "I love you" right out of my mouth. And I, just, I got distracted. And I tell you what, she really for a moment questioned what I really esteemed. Did I esteem her or did I esteem these, these vehicles that are going to rust and go away? And, and uh, although they are awesome. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and man, she held that over me forever. And she'll still pick on me every once in a while over, over that moment. But what we, re- what we esteem is going to grab our attention. It's going to get our focus. And that's why we have to make sure that our hearts are not pursuing things that aren't leading us to God. And we need to make sure that our hearts are connected there. Hebrews eleven twenty six says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches, riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he was looking towards his reward. And Hebrews 4, 2 says, We also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. In Proverbs 11, the desire of the righteous, it ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. Remember what we esteem, what we desire, the desire of the righteous, the the desires that, that God puts in a regenerated heart, man, those end in good. Isaiah 26 Yes, Lord, walking in your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. That needs to be our cry. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But eagerly desire, what? The spiritual gifts. And I will show you a most excellent way. There are things, even as we're maturing, that we ought to be desiring. We ought to be desiring the spiritual gifts. We ought to be desiring the gifts of the Spirit and God to, to mature us and to use us in that way. Hebrews 13 says, pray for us. And we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. That is where we want to be. That we want to, that's what we want to hold up in esteem. Truly living honorably before God. Not what somebody else says is right or wrong. But what God is saying. What the Holy Spirit is saying. Ultimately, our lives are going to be defined by what we choose and what we refuse. And those decisions are coming out of what we esteem. 
The life that God has for us must be lived by trusting Him and allowing Him to guide us in what we choose and what we refuse. This morning, some of y'all are needing to make a choice. And we want to just ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes and create, create a quiet moment here.